You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. As always, good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And yesterday afternoon at Lone Depot Park, the Marlins were trying to avoid being swept in a four-game series against the Atlanta Braves. Braxton Garrett went opposite of Bryce Elder. And with a recap, as always, here is Glenn Geffner. Well, a very disappointing loss for the Marlins on this Sunday afternoon. They fall to the Braves 3-1. to Atlanta comes to town this weekend and wins four in a row, taking the series opener here Friday night, 4-3. to Sweeping a doubleheader yesterday, game one, 5-2, game two, 6-2. to And today, after the Marlins took a 3-1 lead into the ninth, the Braves score three times against Tanner Scott, and they pull out this 3-1 victory. Kenley Jansen slamming the door in the bottom half of the ninth inning. For the longest time today, the story of this ball game was really good Marlins pitching and some very clutch Marlins defense. Braxton Garrett started against Bryce Elder, and Garrett worked around a hit-and-hit batsman in the first inning, inducing Matt Olsen into a double play. We were scoreless into the second one with two outs and nobody on. Eddie Rosario walked, and he stole second base. So trying to score first in this game, the Braves had a man at second, two outs in the second inning for Marcelo Zuna. 2-2 to Ozuna, and he slaps one to right. Going to get down in front of Anderson for a hit. Rosario waved at third. Andy, a strong throw to the plate on a bounce, and no chance to score. Rosario is out by 20 feet. Brian Anderson, a perfect one-hop throw to Fortes for Andy. It's his 18th career outfield assist, his first of this season, and the Braves are kept off the scoreboard in the second. That's the beginning of a really good defensive day for the Marlins. In the third inning, the Braves again a chance to score against Garrett with two outs and nobody on. Von Grissom singled. Austin Riley walked. So the Braves were threatening. Runners at first and second for one of the best RBI men in the league, Matt Olson. Now comes home. 2-1 to Olson. is ripped on the ground. Diving to his left on the line. Lewin's got it. Underhands the pitcher covering. A great defensive play to get Braxton and the Marlins out of inning number three. Lewin Diaz is a magician. So it was still scoreless. You had Bryce Elder matching Braxton Garrett 0 for 0 until the bottom half of the fourth inning. With one out, J.J. Blade doubled. J.J. was on base twice today with that two-base hit and also a walk. And with two outs, he was still at second base for Miguel Rojas. With Blade at second, two outs, bottom of the fourth. Elder, a long look in, still looking. And now finally comes set and fires. And Miggy bangs one in the right center. That's going to fall in for a base hit. Bladé's coming home, and the Marlins have the lead. Miguel Rojas, a big two-out hit for Miami. So it was 1-0 Miami in the fourth inning. Braxton Garrett pitched around a couple of hits in the fifth inning. Pitched around a two-out walk in the sixth inning. And this game was through six. Still, the Marlins won. And the Braves, nothing. Garrett, six scoreless innings this afternoon. Allowed five hits, walked three, struck out two. First time he's walked three in a game this year. 94 pitches, 55 strikes. A lot of great defense behind Braxton Garrett. And there would be more great defense and more big-time clutch pitching for the Marlins in the latter stages of this game in trying to protect the one nothing lead. Dylan Floro started the seventh. He struck out Marcelo Zuna for the first out, but then Michael Harris the second. The 21-year-old rookie center fielder hit a double. Floro came back to strike out Dansby Swanson, 
But with two outs and a man at second base, he walked another 21-year-old rookie, Von Grissom. So the Braves, down one nothing, had two on with two outs for Austin Riley. Harris, the tying man at second. Grissom, the go-ahead man at first. Two outs, seventh inning. The one-two. A shot to short. Caught by Miguel Rojas. A bullet right at Miggy. And Floro escapes in inning number seven. 111.3 miles per hour off the bat of Austin Riley. And it stayed one nothing into the eighth. Elder got through seven today for the first time in a big league game. And just his fifth major league start, he had never previously gotten more than five and two-thirds. In fact, he'd only finished even five innings once before. Today for Elder, seven innings, three hits, one run. He walked three and struck out a career-high ten. He'd never previously had more than four Ks in a major league game. For Elder, career-high 104 pitches, 65 strikes. In the eighth inning, Stephen Ogert came on to pitch for the Marlins, trying to keep it one nothing. And things didn't start well. Matt Olson let off and hit a ground ball to Joey Wendell. The third baseman was shaded up the middle on the shift, and he threw wildly to first base, enabling Olson to reach on an E5. Ogert came back. He struck out William Contreras for the first out. But when Robbie Grossman walked, he had runners at first and second. Eddie Rosario then hit him to fielder's choice. Grossman was erased at second base. You had Olson reaching third. Rosario was at first. And with two outs, tying man 90 feet away, go-ahead man on, Okert trying to escape the inning, facing the former Marlin, Marcelo Ozuna. Okert, the 3-2, and Ozuna takes, strike three, called, caught him looking at a slider. Another Marlins escape. There was nothing easy about it, but the Marlins took a 1-0 lead into inning number nine. They had chances to add on. They didn't, and it bit them here today. Tanner Scott trying to nail things down, starting the ninth inning. First man he faced, first pitch he threw, Michael Harris the second. And first ball hitting, a ball crushed toward Auto Nation Alley, way back left center, and on the first pitch of the ninth inning, Michael Harris the second has tied the score at one. An opposite field bomb, his 12th home run of the season. 419 feet for the 21-year-old who at the moment, is the runaway favorite to be the National League's Rookie of the Year. And if you pay attention this weekend, you know exactly why. So Scott, one pitch in, had been hung with his fifth-blown save of the season, and it would get worse. Dansby Swanson singled. Von Grissom then worked a walk. First and second, nobody out. Austin Riley, on the first pitch, he saw a fly ball to right for the first out. But then Matt Olson walked, and in a tie game, the Braves had the bases loaded, for the catcher, William Contreras. We got Grissom at second, Olsen at first. They go on the 3 2 2 out pitch. Back at the middle and knocked down by the second baseman behind the bag, coming to the plate and sliding in ahead of the throw. Grissom, the Braves have taken a 2 to 1 lead. A great effort by Birdie keeping that ball from getting through to center. But by the time he got to his feet, no chance to get the speedy Grissom. The Braves have scored twice in the ninth to go ahead 2 to 1. For the second time in as many weekends, one of the Contreras brothers gives the opposition a late 2-1 lead over the Marlins. Last Friday at Wrigley Field with the Marlins leading 1-0, the older brother, Wilson Contreras, of the Cubs, hit a two-run home run off Dylan Floro, and the Cubs won that game 2-1. Today, the hit by William Contreras snaps the 1-1 tie, and after an intentional walk to pinch hit Ronald Acuna Jr., the Braves had the bases loaded, two down, and Tanner Scott let one get away facing Eddie Rosario. 
Scott, the kick in the 0-2 to Rosario. That bounces away. Going to go toward the Marlins' dugout on a wild pitch. Olsen scores, and it's 3-1 Braves. And at that point, it was more or less academic with the closer, Kenley Jansen, coming on in the bottom of the ninth inning. Brian Anderson, a ground ball to third for the first out. Miguel Rojas, single to right field. Miggy went two for four today. Miggy stole second base. He was then balked to third base. But the Marlins are down by a couple, remember. Lewin Diaz fouled out to third base for out number two. And with two outs in the ninth inning, down by a couple, Jansen faced Nick Fortes. 2-2 two, two to Fortes. Swing and a miss. And the Braves have swept the four-game series. Kenley Jansen with his third save of the weekend. And Atlanta pushes across three against Tanner Scott in the ninth. The Braves have won six in a row. Marlins fall on this Sunday afternoon. 3-1 the final score. For the Braves, three runs, 10 hits, one error, 13 left. For the Marlins, one run, five hits, no errors. They leave seven. Tyler Matzik, the winner out of the bullpen, three and two. Tanner Scott, his fifth blown save. And the loss, he's four and five. Kenley Jansen with his 27th save in 31 tries. Time of the ball game was three hours, eight minutes. The Braves have won six straight. They wound up going seven and four in this homestand, which started one and four against the Mets at City Field. They then swept two in Boston. And they went four in a row here in Miami. Now they head home for the next seven. Four against the Mets starting tomorrow night. Three against the Astros next weekend. Going to be a very exciting week at Truist Park in Atlanta. The Braves now 47-19 and 19 since the beginning of the month of June. And they move a season-best 24 games over 500, winning their 70th of the year today. Now 70 wins and 46 losses, including a 33-24 and 24 record on the road. As for the Marlins, well, they've lost 13 of 16 now. They are 11 and 25 in 36 games beginning July 6th. They fall a season worst 15 under 500, 50 and 65. Marlins now 23 and 32 here at Lone Depot Park. It is another quiet day offensively for the Marlins. They were held to five hits in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday, five hits in the nightcap, five hits here today. They've scored five runs on 15 hits in the last three games in this series against the Braves. That's after they managed three runs on a dozen hits, going one for 14 with men in scoring position on Friday. The runners in scoring position were a big story for the Marlins in this series. One for seven today, three for 31 in the four games. They had some chances. They just left a ton of men on base, a total of 31 in these four games, and they get swept away by the Braves. The Marlins, in losing 3-1 to today, have now gone 15 consecutive games in which they have scored three runs or fewer. The last major league team to do that was the 1979 Chicago Cubs. 43 years ago, the last time any major league team went 15 consecutive games, scoring three runs or fewer. And should the Marlins not be able to push across more than three runs tomorrow night against the Padres, They would have the longest streak by any major league team since the 1969 California Angels went 17 straight games, scoring three runs or fewer. So you can blame this one on the bullpen. Tanner Scott giving up three in the ninth inning, but the fact that the Marlins scored one run all day, you got to be honest with yourself and say it's tough to win when you score one run and only one run, particularly when you're playing the fourth highest scoring team in baseball. For the most part, Marlins did a pretty good job on the mound in this series, but they just couldn't score. And that was with the Braves 
not using Charlie Morton or Spencer Strider in this series. That's with Max Fried, who initially was going to pitch here on Friday, going on the concussion injured list. And the Marlins today faced Bryce Elder just up from AAA. Yesterday they faced Ian Anderson, added from the AAA roster as the 27th man in the doubleheader. They faced Kyle Muller just up from AAA in game one of the doubleheader yesterday. And they faced Jake Odorizzi here on Friday. Odorizzi, who was added as rotation depth at the deadline. So the Braves able to hold back Morton and Strider for the Mets coming up. And with uh, some of the young guns on the mound, these Braves able to sweep this four-game series, holding the Marlins to a run on five hits. And that is it in the series finale here today. You know all about the Marlins and AutoNation partnering again here in 2022 to work to strike out cancer in our communities. Every time Marlins pitcher records a strikeout, $25 is donated to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative to support cancer research. Today, a total of six strikeouts, meaning another $150 from the Marlins to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative for the season. We're up over 1,000 as of this afternoon. 1,001 strikeouts by Marlins Pitchings. And let's see, we're up to 25000 and $25 with the $150 here today. Now that one will hurt. Miami had a one nothing lead. Cough it up in the ninth, lose it 3-1. Miami now 15-65 this season. Let's hear what Donnie had to say afterwards. Donnie, we've seen over the years, uh, especially with this Braves team, you know, kind of their knack for coming back late in ball games. Just as this one went on, you know, just how kind of precarious did that did that one nothing lead feel or, or did you feel like you were in a good spot with the way the bullpen was going to be able to play out late in the ball game? Well, I felt better than I would have if we were down a few runs. Uh, obviously, to have the lead in um, is really a better, obviously, a better spot. It's not exactly like we got a five-run lead, so you'd feel a lot better with a five-run lead. Uh, a one-run lead, you know, is always going to be a little sticky um, or has a chance to be, if anybody gets on, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a kind of a nail-biter. And just in that ninth inning with Tanner, you know, I think only the second home run he's given up to the lefty. I, he's typically been very good in that role, even if he's gotten some trouble, he's gotten himself out. But did it just seem command was was really the biggest struggle for him in that ninth inning? I don't know. At one point I looked up, he had 18 pitches and 13 strikes. You know, the guy jumps him for a homer. Uh, I think he had Dan's being a pretty good count and kind of two-strike hit the other way. Uh, I think who's, who's after Dansby? Well, the kid has a good at bat. Basically, fouls a bunch of pitches off and, and walks. Uh, gets Riley. You know, does walk Olsen. So, I mean, obviously the walks don't help you. But they weren't just like, I didn't feel like, there's, there's games where I feel like, uh-oh, we're going to get somebody up right away because he's not throwing the ball over the plate. And today I felt like he was throwing the ball over the plate. The guy jumps him and, you know, hits a heater. Um kind of surprised me he's been so good with lefties but that kid is dangerous so um yeah i didn't think it was so much command i mean it seemed to, to get going that way as it went on how, how much longer would you have let him pitch because that pitch no that was it mm-hmm. he was it so yeah because he, he still has a chance there even with where he's at to get out of that with a tie um you know then they get to three you know we, we get a little break with uh the block by Nick and, and catching Dansby off uh, got us back to you know a guy on first and two outs. Then we, I think that's where we must be where we walk Olson. Um, yeah, and then the 
unfortunate the hit. Burt took, I thought, a great angle at knocking that ball down, but it just happens to be 3-2. They're running, uh, and it kicks away just enough to be able to keep him from to that guy to score. You know, and then we get the two strike, you know, going for the slider in the dirt and just bounces it and gets away. Braxton hit the start he had today. I mean, do you think this is possible for him to do a year ago? You know, where it's not necessarily his best stuff, walks more guys than he strikes out and still hold them? I thought he was really good today. No. Yeah, I know the 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 strikeouts is you know, if you, if you wanna I know analytics worries about it. But this guy was really good today. He got the ball to all different parts of the zone. Uh, he changed speeds. How many How many did he walk? Three. Yes, but he's, this guy's battling. This is six innings and no runs. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, he didn't have the good stuff. I thought he had pretty good stuff today. Uh, but to answer your question, I don't think he could have did this a year ago because he didn't have – he wasn't throwing the two uh, with the four elevation. His slider was still a little loose. Uh, the slider is tightened up. He's, now he's got his curveball, and he's mixing the change too. So this is kind of what we've been seeing. You know, this evolution of, of Brax has really been good because you've seen him. We've seen him with different lineups that he gives pretty good lineups trouble, right? At least if he's throwing strikes and mixing, uh, he's getting the ball to a lot of different plates. So he's really, to me, this has been a, a big advancement this year for him. Uh, and the kid's competitive, you know, uh, and that's what you love because he is competitive. You think he's going to get bigger and stronger and, and mature physically uh, with age. So this, this kid's on the on the run right now for me. How big has been for him to stay here longer every five days and instead of that going up and down that he did in 2020 or last year as well? I think it's huge. Right, because they get you a chance to make daily, you know, kind of start to start adjustments. Uh, but again, I think his advancement with the the pitch mix has enabled him to stay here, right, and then to work off of that, right, without the addition of the, you know, the two, uh, and his pitches coming along. I know he changed his arm angle just a little bit, uh, which has helped him. Um, I don't th- I'm not sure he could have been able to stay with the way he was pitching before. It was basically it was a two-pitch mix, and it wasn't enough command, and now it's it's just advanced, right? So, but to, to answer the question again, I, I know I get winded here, but I, I think it's definitely good for guys to get here. He's having success. He's had you know gotten hit a little bit, but for the most part, he's pitched pretty good and showing us what he can do. Have you seen better at bats and? Just from me and Aggie lately, especially last, last last week. Yeah, Aggie swung the bat good. Miggy's always good. Uh, I think Miggy gets caught in the in the the snare of of trying to do too much when our club's not scoring or not not winning games. He's trying to do too much, like he always he's always going to do that, <coughs> which you appreciate about him. Um, but I do think he's better when he stays within his game. Takes what they give him, uh, and and Aggie's really just kind of found a little groove here. He's been swinging the bat good for a little bit. Well, it's 15 consecutive games scoring three runs or less. What do you think it, it, it is that's been contributing to the lack of run scoring with the amount of guys left on base, and just what do you think it is that's been causing this lack? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, you know, obviously our lineup's not what it was earlier with Jazz and Solaire and and. And Avi and all the guys that we have in the lineup, you know, from a normal standpoint where 
you know, you're hitting Miggy eight or nine, <coughs> and you're hitting your catcher back in the back, and you know, Andy's hitting six. That I mean, so our lineup's definitely not the same. Um, but it, you know, some of those games we've given ourselves chances, and a lot of the, some of those games we have not. We have not. <coughs> so um, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but you know, we're obviously we're not scoring. What do you say to guys in the clubhouse when you're kind of in the midst of that? And what do you kind of observe from them, whether it's body language or just conversations that they're having with each other amidst not being able to consistently string together runs? Whether they have them? Well, they definitely know it, but obviously you, you talked about 15 games. I had no idea until, you know, that somebody tells me that. So I think that's the nature of this game is that you're going to move forward like, okay, that game didn't go well last night or it went well, but you got to move forward and try to win a game today. Uh, so you don't look back 15 games. I think you do realize, hey, we haven't been swinging the bats very well. We haven't been putting any runs up. That's something you notice in like a generality. Uh, but I know you guys are good about pointing it out, like when something's not going good or it's something's going really good uh, on the other side of that. And then our, our analytics is good about you have meetings every couple of weeks of this is what's going on and they give you what what you're doing and and then you and you still got to move on right you just try to stay on stay with, on top of what's going on with Scott in the ninth inning obviously it's been a struggle for him for you know a lot of the season given you know the strikeout numbers are there but the propensity for walks and occasionally losing the zone tends to rear its head have you guys had any internal conversations maybe you Mel in the front office about any possible alternatives for the ninth inning, given his struggles? Yeah, we. I mean, I don't. Know, I don't know how many he's blown. I don't know how many he's got. Um, but you know, we can. We could. We could try anyone, mm-hmm. right? Um, this has been a guy that hasn't been afraid. He's been durable. Uh, his stuff is a guy that gets righties and lefty when it's good. Uh, we've we've seen it both ways. We've seen him walk some people and get out of jams. We've seen him come in and. And it's usually um, stuff is always good, and so this is a guy that um, when you go into the season, we know this is an area that we have trouble with, right? So we walk into the season thinking we're going to mix and match and do all this other stuff, uh, and it didn't work, right? So now you try to find a guy that's stopping the game. No official decision though on that as of right now, correct? Of changing the role? Yeah. No, I know somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, we don't want, we want to see this guy." I just don't know who that would be. I mean, we've got guys hurt. Uh, I'm sure, there's a number of guys that the organization wants to see uh, in and roll the dice and say, "Hey, is this guy the guy?" But for me, Tanner's been pretty good, mm-hmm. right? As good as we've got, right? And if you don't use him there, then you're going to bring him in in the seventh. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pitch the same guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's I mean, we, we've talked about this before. It's like we could pitch him in the fifth and still going to face the same guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, we like him from the standpoint that he's not afraid. He's not going to walk out there, you know, come back tomorrow, have good stuff, go after people the same way. You mentioned last night a bit when Kyle asked the question, just understanding the frustration when it seems like, you know, trying to see stuff for the future. It's how – not necessarily motivate guys, but to make sure that whether it's the veterans or the guys that are maybe trying to prove themselves for next year, that there's that balance of, hey, we need to, you know, take this tough part of the schedule, but like, I'm sure the losing gets tiresome in games like this. Yeah, the losing definitely gets tiresome. Uh, 
and we knew we were coming into the stretch. You know, we kind of held our own with Pittsburgh and Cincy, the clubs that are a lot more like us. Uh, and we knew we were getting ready to roll into Philly, Atlanta, San Diego, L.A., uh, L.A. again. You know, the stretch was coming. And obviously, I think the one thing we do see in this is that our pitching kind of keeps you in games. There's not many of these games that we don't have some sort of chance or we're fairly close, right? So the encouraging part of, like, even going through the stretch is you kind of feel at least like we're going to be competitive today. And, and we're not going to be down nine runs in a second and just try to get through a game, right? You feel like if we could put some runs together, catch the ball, don't make mistakes, we're going to be in a game. And so that's, I think, a positive. And then on the other side of that question is really you're, you're trying to – you want guys to fight, right? You want guys to keep fighting and keep playing hard and you find out who they are. You know, you, you see what guys are like in, in times like this. You know, are they going to keep playing hard? Are they going to keep working? Are they going to keep showing up, ready to play? And then and the organization can make a decision. Is this the right guy for us? Or is this the wrong guy for us? Is he good enough or is he not good enough right now? So that's what you're kind of going through right now. And the frustrating part was that we did it last year. It was Marlins manager Don Mattingly. After the Marlins' 3-1 to loss to the Braves yesterday, they were swept in that four-game series. The schedule does not get any easier. We're back home tonight at 640. Sandy Alcantara goes opposite of the right-hander Joe Musgrove. It's a 640 first pitch. We'll hit the air at 610 with Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation.